0: Africa Rise and Shine Africa Zo Africa amka na unai.
1: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is channel Africa. From an African perspective, coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa, we are on DSTV's Audio bouquet Channel Eight Zero Two and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Musa, Nosite Zuma, and Figelilingwati. In our top stories, on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa. DRC's Catholic bishops urge government to keep its promises. The COVID third wave could hit South Africa sooner than expected. In economics news, Zimbabwe's processed food exports on the increase. And in sports news, all blacks scrum half Aaron Smith signs contract extension. But first up, the news with Anne Moussa.
2: ABC News, independent and impartial.
3: From an African perspective. Good morning. I'm Anne Musa. Kenya has this morning received over one million doses of a COVID-19 vaccine through the Global Covax facility. According to the country's Cabinet Secretary for Health, Mutai Kagwe, the first beneficiaries of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine will include frontline workers such as healthcare professionals, teachers and security personnel. Here now, Kenya's Health uh, Cabinet Secretary speaking at the Jomo Kenyatta International Airport after receiving the vaccines.
0: This is an exciting moment for our nation. This is a fantastic moment. We are all very excited about this uh, particular event, receiving the vaccine for the first time in our country. We've been fighting COVID-19, we've been fighting this virus, but we have been fighting it with rubber bullets. But this time round, what we have received here is
4: equivalent, metaphorically speaking, to acquisition of machine guns, bazookas, and tanks. To fight this war against COVID-19.
3: The South African Medical Research Council says the vaccination of both public and private sector healthcare workers is crucial in the fight against COVID-19. The Council President Professor Glenda Gray was among speakers at the launch of the first vaccination center in the private sector at Melomed Hospital in Cape Town. Grace says a number of healthcare workers in the private sector
1: have died from the virus. We've seen lots of healthcare workers get ill, get hospitalised, and die. And so, making sure that we allocate a, the right, correct amount of vaccines to the, the healthcare worker who's in the private sector is critical to make sure that we can protect all healthcare workers um, before the next third wave. And so, for me, it's very gratifying to see this vaccine uh, center being established and to see the lovely collaboration uh, between the private and public sector.
3: The U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has urged Ethiopia to allow an international investigation into alleged atrocities in the northern region of Tigray. In a phone call with the Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed Blinken called for an immediate end to hostilities and the withdrawal of outside forces from Tigray including Eritrean troops in Amhara Regional Security Forces. Ethiopia last week criticized a U.S. statement on the war saying it was an internal matter Thousands of people have been killed and hundreds of thousands displaced in the conflict between Tigray and regional forces and federal troops and their allies. The U.S. Embassy in Cameroon has called for an investigation into a military raid of a village last year in which soldiers have been accused of raping at least 20 people. The details of the attack only came to light after the Human Rights Watch released a report on the 26th of last month. The Human Rights Watch report describes more than 50 soldiers raiding the village in southwest region on the 1st of March. Uh, Anglophone activists say the country's French-speaking majority is marginalising the English-speaking minority. And finally, United States President Joe Biden has promised the country would procure enough vaccines for every American by the end of May. This is much earlier than a previous timeline of July, after Johnson & Johnson vaccines received emergency use authorization from the Food and Drug Administration over the weekend. Bryce Peace reports.
5: With the third vaccine approved for use in the U.S., timelines have shifted with millions more vaccine doses added to the domestic arsenal that has already seen more than 76 million doses administered, reaching over 15% of the total U.S. population. Biden also announced a new partnership between Johnson & Johnson and pharmaceutical competitor Merck to speed up production of the former's single-dose shot, the White House is now also directing states to prioritize the vaccination of teachers and other school staff by the end of March.
3: That's the News Headlines at 730 Central African time.
2: SABC News. Independent and impartial.
6: From an African perspective. Follow Channel Africa on these social media platforms on Facebook, Channel Africa One, on Twitter, at Channel Africa One, and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective.
1: It's 7.06 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Former Eskom Group CEO Brian Mulefe says Glencore relied on its association with then-deputy president Sil Ramaphosa in its dealings with Eskom. Mulefe says Ramaphosa should have allowed for a cooling-off period before chairing the Eskom war room following the sale of his shares in Optimum. Mulefe says he based his comments on Ramaphosa's alleged chairmanship at Optimum on a magazine article. This after an affidavit by former Glencoe CEO, Efron, stated that as Ramaposa never chaired Optimum Minds or Optimum Holdings, Milife well, was making his second appearance before the State Capture Commission of Inquiry in Johannesburg.
7: Molefe says he took the unilateral decision to terminate a cooperation and coal supply agreement between ESCOM and Optimum Coal Mine as he felt the agreement prejudiced ESCOM. Molefe maintains that Glencore relied on its association with Ramaphosa instead of doing due diligence in its dealings with ESCOM.
8: I have a feeling that if I had signed an agreement or agreed to OCM's uh, request, you would be sitting in this commission or a similar commission where you would be asking me, but Mr. Mulefe, if you had an agreement for one fee, what was it that drove you to increase, agree to this ridiculous increase that has now collapsed as well?
7: Mulefe says Eskom officials may have been reluctant to pursue the 2.1 billion rand penalties against Glencore in fear of upsetting a deal that involved Ramaphosa.
8: I think Glencore issued a statement after my statement. Mm, I I can't remember. Yeah, there was a public statement and they said that uh, uh, Mr. Ramaphosa was not acting in our interest. I can't believe that. He was a shareholder. He had an interest in the man. If the penalties was to be settled because they arose while he was still shareholder. He would have financial benefit.
7: Mulefe denied allegations that he put pressure on Glencoe to sell Optimum coal mine to the Guptas in 2015. This despite Glencoe's allegations that Mulefe put financial pressure on it to sell Optimum to Gupta-owned Tegeta.
1: They were
8: so angry with us. Mm. They were now going to start a campaign Mm. to us. Mm. As Kuptabi. Mm. To taint us as Kuptabi. Kirlek the public protector came up with a report. Mm. She did not interview us. She interviewed Mr. Efron In fact, Mr. Efron went to him, to her, to complain about us. And she instituted that
7: report. The State Capture Commission of Inquiry is expected to continue with Mulefe's evidence when proceedings continue on Wednesday. The commission is also expected to hear ESCOM-related evidence from former ESCOM Chief Financial Officer Anuj Singh. I'm in Johannesburg.
1: South Africa's Standing Committee on Public Accounts has been told that restructuring at Prasa is inevitable. The Prasa board and management appeared before Scopa on Tuesday about among others deviations and expansions as well as their annual report. Prasa says it has a bloated structure which is top heavy, Lula Mamadya reports.
9: The Prasa board says the rail agency is not operating optimally. It says it has thousands of employees, but its performance is far less compared to its workforce. The board says it has taken a decision to review the structure so that it is lean and aligned to match the job. Board member advocate Smanga Sitene elaborates.
4: You have 17,000 employees and Prasa performs at 17%. uh, Really that calls for a serious skills audit. And from that on, I think we'll have a sense as to what kind of process should we have, Uh, because there's no need of having a 17,000 workforce performing at 17%. And it's on that basis that a restructuring will be inevitable, skills audit uh, will be inevitable to ensure that we've got a lean-up that is going to, uh, ensure that uh, it, it delivers uh,
5: service expeditiously.
9: The board was grilled about consequence management on employees fingered in wrongdoing. Some of the committee members felt that it's taking time to act as some of the matters are internal. ANC MP Hadebe and Al of the DA.
8: We are talking about internal processes. I've highlighted that The financial year under review, it's 1.3 billion of irregular expenditure. And Chair, this does not take time, I've even uh, categorized this irregular expenditure to say there were contract overspending without obtaining necessary approval to the amount of 194 million. Now, for, for, for the accounting authority to find out who Approved overspending without necessary approval. I don't think that takes years. It, it does not need a, a, a SIU. It's internal processes. Payment to supplier without signed contracts. That
10: does not need a, a, a SIU. The SIU has completed on the first secondment agreement or mandate um, 227 reports to the value of uh, 33.1 billion, completed. 37 cases were referred to the Hawks for further investigations and 23 cases were still outstanding. What exactly has the board done about these completed reports? Don't tell us about the 15th of March when another report is going to be presented. What about the ones that have been completed? Where are we with the action required from PRASA on those?
9: Transport Minister Fiki Lembalula says he's pinning his hopes on the newly appointed CEO to turn things around at the agency. PRASA managers kept on correcting themselves on the information they were giving to the committee.
4: And uh, one would have expected uh, coming to Scopa that uh, at least management of PRASA would have been organized, but I I wouldn't be shocked, and uh, surprised about, uh, the level of organization in this meeting, because, uh, the center doesn't hold, and, uh, uh, there's been a lot of suspensions at Prasa, and, uh, not even suspensions, where in which, uh, people, uh, clearly, they occupy positions, that they shouldn't, and I think you're right about that. The board is supposed to have taken you, on board in some of the decisions they've actually taken so there's a lot of acting and feeling of new vacancies so the gco has got this job cut out in this particular instance
9: balula adds that going forward he expects prasa to be in a better position lula mamaya in parliament
1: Former South Africa's President Jacob Zuma's alleged contempt of court and his defiance to appear before the State Capture Commission are two distinct separate matters, as according to constitutional court expert Pierre De Force. The constitutional court will hear the application by the State Capture Commission against Zuma on the 25th of March. The commission went back to the constitutional court to ask for Zuma's imprisonment for defying the constitutional court order that he must appear before the Commission if a valid summons is issued. This follows Zuma's refusal to appear before the Zondo Commission last month. Vusima Kossini reports. Constitutional court expert Pierre de Force says the matter before
11: the Constitutional court is about Zuma's disregard of the APEX court's order for him not to appear before the Zondo Commission. He says this court process should not be confused with Zuma's alleged breaching of the Commission's Act.
10: Legally, there are two ways in which the former president' uh, various refusals to testify and to obey the summons can be dealt with. One is the former president can be prosecuted if um, summons to appear and testify was issued by the court and he refuses. Then there is contempt of court. That is very different from breaching the commission act. This is contempt of court, not for not appearing but for not um, uh, respecting the court order that
11: ordered him to appear. The force says there is still a pending complaint lodged by the Zondo Commission with the police against Zuma for breaching the Commission's act. This was after the former president refused to appear at the Commission, arguing, among others, that there was still a pending application for a court to review Deputy Chief Justice Raymond Zondo's dismissal of an application to recuse himself.
10: The former president can be prosecuted by the prosecuting authority in terms of the Commission's Act. President Zuma is still being investigated for breaching that section of the Commission's Act, and if he is found to have done so, he will be prosecuted for that. The Commission can lay a a complaint. It is for the police to investigate that complaint, and then for the prosecuting authority to prosecute in terms of the Act. We know that there was some plan laid by the commission, but that is very separate, and it was continued from the process of contempt for the constitutional court order.
11: Recently, the J. G. Zuma Foundation accused the commission of trying to bend laws in its pursuit to find Zuma guilty by hook or crook, including predicting the sentence that should be imposed on the former president. DeForce says it is unusual for the Commission to tell the court what sentence to impose.
10: It's not for the Commission um, to tell the court what uh, sentence to impose if they found that there was for the court to do, and they will decide what is appropriate. They can make a prison sentence but suspend it on the condition that the Zuma testify or they uh, order a the fine. So that is the, the, the Constitutional Court makes that decision based on the arguments and the evidence
11: before them. On Monday, the respondents may file answering affidavits if they decide to do so. Thereafter, on Friday, the commission will file responding papers. The matter is said to be argued in the Constitutional Court on the 25th of March. I am Vosi Makosini in Devon.
7: Gateway to Africa is our entertaining and educational tourism travel and business show join us every wednesday at 10 hours central african time as we explore the tourism landscape in africa make a date with gateway to africa every wednesday at 10 hours central african time
1: At 7.18 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. Coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa on DSTV's audio bouquet channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. The National Conference of the Democratic Republic of Congo's Catholic Bishops has warned that people will not tolerate any election-related delay. The upcoming general elections are expected around the end of 2023. jean noel reports from Kinshasa.
12: There will be no excuse for not holding general elections scheduled here in the Democratic Republic of Congo in 2023. That's indeed what this country's Catholic bishops have emphasized in a message entitled Tear your heart and not your clothes. People are still waiting. The DRC people are living in an uncertain situation as there is a large gap between promises and the reality on the ground, according to Father Donatien Chole, the Cinco Secretary General, who recommends. Au parmi les les on the government. To make electoral reforms one of the priorities in order to improve electoral governance and consolidate democracy. To do everything possible to keep the organization of credible, transparent and peaceful elections online in 2023
4: and not later.
12: On his side, the outgoing president of the Independent National Electoral Commission, Seni has called on the government to already start preparing the 2023 elections. Kornenanka Nanga warned that this is the only way that would prevent the upcoming elections from the delay problem, as this was the case in 2016 when elections were pushed two years back. Kornenanga. This is the opportunity for me to appeal to the authorities, not to wait to launch the preparation of these elections with a few points, including the installation of new leaders who will replace us, to initiate realistic reforms that will not contradict the preparation of elections. The Democratic Republic of Congo should organize at the same time the presidential, parliamentary, municipal and local elections. But there are so many hesitations at this time in terms of feasibility since nothing has been done up to now and there is no sign of preparation for election to be held in 2023. Jean-Noel Bamoise for Channel Africa in Kinshasa.
1: Pressure continues to build on New York Governor Andrew Cuomo after a third woman alleged he had made unwanted sexual advances towards her. A Democrat governor who shot to international fame during his daily briefings at the height of a coronavirus spread in his state in early 2020 faces calls for him to resign following earlier allegations made by two former aides about sexual harassment in the workplace. In a statement issued on Sunday, the beleaguered governor of the country's fourth most populous state apologised, saying things he might have said may have been misinterpreted as unwanted flirtation. As the state's attorney general proceeds with an investigation into the allegations, show in Bryce Peace reports.
5: Let's go through the numbers today. We have a number of announcements. They call him America's governor after his daily COVID press briefings won him international acclaim at the height of Washington's muddled messaging on mitigation efforts. But a third bombshell report in the New York Times Monday shares the account of a woman, Anna Rutsch, who met Cuomo at a wedding in 2019 when he put his hand on her lower back and then her cheeks asking if he could kiss her. When she removed his hands, he allegedly called her aggressive. The incident was witnessed by a friend. This after two women had already stepped forward. First, Lindsay Boylan, a former special advisor to Cuomo wrote she had been subjected to pervasive harassment, including being asked to play strip poker and receiving an unwanted kiss on the mouth, a claim Cuomo denied in December.
13: Yeah, I heard about the uh, tweet uh, and what it said about uh, comments that I had made, and uh, it's not true, Zach. Uh, look, I, I fought for and I believe uh, a woman has the right to come forward and express her opinion uh, and uh, express issues and, and concerns that she has, uh, but it's, uh, it's just not true.
5: Former aide Charlotte Bennett, who is almost 40 years his junior, claims Cuomo made inappropriate remarks about her sex life, including asking her whether she had ever had sex with older men. We asked the executive director of UN Women, Pumzilem Lambunguka, to weigh in.
14: Obviously saddened by these uh, allegations. I mean, we are not taking away from the governor's performance on issues that have to do with the fight against the, the pandemic. Uh, but you know, these allegations are serious and you have more than one uh, women making the allegations and really Sherwin, uh, it is usually the person who is in authority, who has the capacity to harass those that are his juniors. It is never the other way around. So the pattern that we are seeing is the pattern that we've seen uh, all over again
5: mlambo nguka called for a thorough investigation with clear recommendations on a course of action as new york's attorney general Letitia james confirmed her office was proceeding with a rigorous probe promising a public report on their findings
14: no place is safe where there are power relations these power relations tend to extend to men thinking that women's bodies are a free for all this is a cultural uh, pattern that is so entrenched we can never uh, think that uh, we have evolved we have men who are in uh, who are who are already uh, exposed uh, to the value system that we are trying to entrench who will behave in the right way We have to be alert all the time and we should believe women uh, that what we have learned in this short time of intensity is that women will not go out of their way to make these allegations because there's a price for them to pay as well.
5: Top Democrat Speaker Nancy Pelosi has called the claims credible as the chorus grows for Cuomo to step down. But that seems unlikely in the short term, after Cuomo issued this statement on Sunday. Quote, I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal, and that some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. I acknowledge some of the things I have said have been misinterpreted as an unwanted flirtation. To the extent anyone felt that way, I am truly sorry about that. Close quotes. He also denied ever inappropriately touching anyone a direct contradiction to the latest allegations against him. I'm Sherman Bricepies in New York.
1: Amapaka chief Tandi Digo and husband of suspended South African presidential spokesperson Kuselo Diko has been described as a champion of rural development. Digo was laid to rest at Elunzini Kingdom, Gwapaka, in the Eastern Cape Province. Government officials, traditional leaders and the Amapaka nation came in numbers to pay tribute to Diko. Luandile Mbulali was there and filed this report.
15: The Amapata nation came in numbers to bid farewell to their king. According to Amapata, Chief Tanisizwe Diko was installed as their king in 2010 after they were stripped of their kingship in the late 1800s. In 2020, he was allegedly involved in the multi-million rand PPE tender that led to the suspension of his wife, Kusela Digo, as President Cyril Ramaphosa spokesperson. Family spokesperson Lumgom Timde says Chief Digo was dedicated to the development of the Amapata nation.
13: A true African leader who put his people first He is Caesar Amapata was his first word, Elala Evuka. He was passionate about education, he was passionate about rural development, ICT, access to fast-speed broadband, affordable to the people. That's how passionate he was about making sure that the people in rural areas are part of
2: the world.
15: Basic Education Minister Njimu Tsecha says Digo was dedicated to improving education in rural areas and developing Kwa
2: I last
4: spoke to him before schools were opened. Again, it was his own his, his own initiative. He said to me, schools are opening. What should we expect? What are the things? What are the issues? And reminded me some of the things we're still lacking behind. And But he was also excited to say, you know, it was quite difficult to operate under COVID-19. What do you expect from the results? And I said to him, I know you want the results beforehand. I'll give them to you after announcing. But we had an agreement also that i will come back after analysing the results and identify which areas. But he, he even, as I said, which I shared in the house, came to hout and called all partners here and say, please come back home through being role models, bring resources, come and talk to kids.
15: Chief Tandis Digo has been praised for the role he played in re-establishing the Amapata kingdom and leading traditional leaders in the Alfred and Zod district. Controlesa Chepesi, Chief Mwelo Nongonyane, elaborate.
7: As a traditional leader, he then
4: pointed out that uh, Kulu, the royal household, should be the
0: provider because at the royal place, everyone else should come. Lubakwini, which you see today, is not Lubakwini that was uh, before he took over and actually be a community leader. So, indeed,
4: uh, it is a leader. Uh, that is a leader of the people, and he led also not only the people but traditional
15: leaders. Eastern Cape Premier Oscar Maboyane has asked the about the nation to use proper channels to ensure their kingdom is recognized. Mabuyane says Diego played a big role in developing the youth in the Alfred Zod district
11: indeed uh, we have lost a partner uh, to development in this province we have spoken about the issue yes uh, Amabads, i have declared him as their king because he's are head. we don't dispute that uh, government culturally the process of identifying chiefs and kings it's a it's a process of uh, royal families uh, government is not really a, a kind of a stumbling block into this but we've got to process it to its logical conclusion and unfortunately the final arbiter on who becomes a king based on the submissions made by families? It must be the president.
15: The Amapata Nation has urged government to continue assisting them with community development projects. Randy Lembulali, KwaPata, in the Eastern Cape. It's seven
1: thirty-one, and our headlines up next with Anne Musa.
2: SABC News, Independent. And From an
1: African
6: perspective.
3: Good morning, I'm Anne Moussa the headlines. Kenya has this morning received over one million doses of a COVID-19 vaccine through the global COVAX facility. The U.S. Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, has urged Ethiopia to allow an international investigation into, uh, into alleged atrocities in the northern region of Tigray. And constitutional law expert Pierre de Fosse's former South African president Jacob Zuma's alleged contempt of a constitutional court order and his defiance to appear before the state capture commission are two separate matters. Those are the stories making headlines
13: across the globe. Every second, there's always a breaking story.
4: There's nothing good about alcohol. Alcohol is destructive. Alcohol destroys families. Alcohol destroys life. Alcohol contributes to unprotected sex and spreading of diseases. Alcohol contributes to domestic violence, abuse of children and women.
0: Channel Africa. Africa rise and shine. Africa zola. Africa amuka. I uh, no.
1: South Africa can expect the emergence of a third wave of coronavirus infections from June this year to coincide with cold winter months. as according to the co-chair of the Ministerial Advisory Committee on COVID-19, Professor Salim Abdul-Karim. And with the third wave imminent, is government ready for another surge in infections and what can South Africans do to avert this? Prabhashni Mudli takes a look.
16: South Africa's leading health scientists are expecting a third wave of COVID 19 infections around June. Its severity and variation is currently unknown. On Sunday, President Sal Ramaphosa announced that the country will move to lockdown alert level one. This means that restrictions on alcohol sales have been lifted and large gatherings of up to 250 people outdoors and a maximum of 100 indoors are now permitted. According to experts, public behavior is likely to have a bearing on how soon and how hard that the third wave will hit. Co chair of the Ministerial Advisory Committee on COVID 19, Professor Salim Abdul Karim, says that as winter approaches, people are likely to gather indoors in poorly ventilated spaces, which could increase the rate of transmission.
3: When we look at how first and
14: second waves have occurred in many countries, including our own. We've analyzed that data. We can expect a third wave somewhere in June, July. It also coincides with
17: our winter months. If there is a new variant, then it's completely
14: unpredictable and we can then expect a much more severe third
8: wave if there's no
14: new variant that we're still dealing with the current variant then our wave might be a smaller one than we've had in the second wave
16: dr harry moultrie senior medical epidemiologist at the institute for communicable diseases says south africa is now better prepared to deal with another surge of infections given the experience healthcare providers have gained thus far Easter celebrations are also a concern and Dr Moultrie says that people must continue with non-pharmaceutical interventions and smart lifestyle choices to keep safe.
17: So we've got better surveillance mechanisms to give us an earlier warning. I also think to some extent our hospital systems and the healthcare system has been strengthened. Over the course of the year, oxygen delivery and reticulation systems in hospitals have been improved. Our staff are better-capacitated. We now know more about how to clinically manage the virus. So as individuals, the first thing is all work together as a country to help avoid a third wave. The vaccines, if you get offered it, take it. Too. And then lastly, our lifestyle choices. We all need to try to get, get more exercise and uh, eat as healthy as we can.
16: South Africa received its second batch of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine at the weekend and another consignment is expected within two weeks. Dr Moultrie says vaccinations are key to combating the virus and South Africa needs needs to reach a high level of immunisation before protection can be provided to the entire population.
17: It does depend partly on the coverage of the vaccine. And initially the vaccines are going to be targeted at those at higher risk. But it is unlikely to have an impact on the indirect transmission of, of the virus until we get to substantial scale of vaccination. So the vaccinations will provide individual protection to those most at risk and while vaccine coverages are low, but it will take time before we can ramp up to a substantial scale where the potential for reducing transmission through vaccinations will, will come to play.
16: Trade union Denosa spokesperson in Gauteng, Bangani Mazaboko, says the imminent threat of the third wave and the easing of lockdown regulations has placed more emphasis on the government's state of readiness.
17: We expect that um, government and the employer will make sure that we've got more nurses on the ground because at the moment there is a shortage um, of nurses and this has been a chronic uh, thing even before COVID. The arrival of COVID on our shoulders made things that much more worse for us and making sure that the proper PPE is given. Some of the nurses who are community service nurses, their contracts ended in December and they were told to stay at home. The money that has been uh, lost through corruption, that is the money that should have been channeled to ensure that we've got adequate doctors and nurses.
16: Houching Premier David Makura says the social behavior of citizens would likely determine the severity of the third wave. He's advocating for mass-scale vaccinations.
8: We must make it
16: clear that coronavirus is still
12: around, we must also make it clear that the third wave is still a real possibility as we approach winter. We must say without any equivocation that vaccines constitute the decisive weapon against any pandemic so that we can ensure we hold the rage of this pandemic and save more lives and enable our economy to open and recover fully.
16: Health Minister Dr. Zueli Mkhize said this week that government is discussing with vaccine manufacturers what can be done with the current vaccines to make them effective with future variations of the virus. Prabhashni Mudli, Johannesburg.
1: South African lobby group AfriForum says government has admitted that there are no legal restrictions to prevent the private sector from purchasing COVID-19 vaccines. The group and trade union Solidarity have called on the government to allow the private sector to purchase and distribute vaccines to combat the coronavirus. They recently approached the High Court to force government to give clarity on the legality of the state's centralization of the COVID-19 vaccine. Vaccines rollout, Fenor Shuma reports.
13: The lobby group's action comes after the two organizations threatened legal action against the government. They wanted the court to declare any legal exclusion of the private sector regarding the purchase of vaccines unconstitutional. They say the government lacks the capability to handle the vaccine rollout alone trade union solidarities Dirk Harman has told the media in Petorium that the private sector must be involved.
5: The private sector must be involved in the full vaccine value chain and to ensure this solidarity and AfriForum Forum went to court to stop the nationalization of the vaccine process. This followed in the wake of several statements made by, among others, the Minister of Health, that the procurement of vaccines would be managed by the central government, and they even said the central government alone.
13: Government has recently acknowledged that it was illegal to monopolize the procurement and rollout of the COVID 19 vaccines. This now allows private medical businesses to procure and distribute the vaccines. AfriForum CEO Gali Grill, says limiting the handling of the vaccines to government only is not a good idea and unconstitutional. Not a bad idea just for AfriForum or Solidarity that affords this. It's the bad idea for the ordinary woman and man on the street that has a human right to have access to good health care and. If other role players, such as the private sector, can play a role to provide good health care, why should we be against that? We should not let the ideology of centralization bring us to, to a situation where the interests of normal people, where the lives of normal people are endangered. Life is important.
17: It's a constitutional right.
13: The groups say the government cannot be trusted in handling the vaccine rollout alone given the level of corruption it has displayed over time. This week, government announced that more than 60,000 healthcare workers have been vaccinated since the rollout began more than a week ago. Over 50,000 people have succumbed to the virus since the outbreak of the pandemic a year ago. Fanwell Schumer, SABC News, Pretoria.
1: Unions that represent healthcare workers have vowed to shut down all public health facilities in South Africa's Limbopo province on Monday. These include 43 hospitals, over 400 clinics and emergency medical service stations across the province. They will be protesting against the implementation of two circulars that they say unilaterally result in the cutting down of overtime payments, changing of nurses' rosters, and capping shifts at 40 hours per week. Pimani Baloi reports. The last page
2: that we have provided to you of the media statement, it dispelled the untruth that was uh, narrated by the Department of Health, which says we don't have a certificate to strike. Now, we must hold this for the cameras, so that cameras can be able to zoom in and... uh, on this, this is a certificate to strike from the public health, social development, sectoral Bargaining chamber. It is clearly clearly signed by the, uh, by the commissioner. And if you are going to check in this blog, clearly written indeed that in terms if the dispute remains unresolved, it can be referred to and the commissioner has indicated a strike.
6: Trade union Nhaos Limpopo chaperson Calvin Chamano shows members of the media a certificate to strike issued by the Public Health and Social Development Sectoral Bargaining Council on the seventh of December, twenty twenty. The certificate relates to a dispute between the Limpopo Department of Health and unions Nhaos, Dinosa, PSA, and Hospisa over changes on how staff work. The dispute relates to two seculars issued by the department, one late last year and the other earlier this year. Unions believe that the secular provide for unfair working conditions with staff working long hours without any overtime payment. Some doctors and EMS personnel who formed part of the union's media briefing in Polokwane say the seculars make their working conditions unbearable. Us as doctors all around the province we do committed overtime. You can't withdraw because of the lack of of staff
9: at this particular moment in time. And through this COVID pandemic, we've done so many hours more than we did before. Without complaints, because we understood that the health of our nation is highly important. And that's what we must put at the forefront when we give of ourselves. But the implications of these new circulars in our working conditions, that affect us
12: in many ways. Our intention is not to a matter of money, but it's to save the community.
6: Shamanu says they also received with concern the department's HOD, Dr. Tokozani Slongo, statement on Monday relating to the withholding of COVID-19 vaccines to employees that may participate in the strike.
2: Passing remarks that was made in that media briefing that these workers jeopardize the opportunity to get COVID-19 vaccination, very irresponsible. What does this action have to do with vaccination progress? This is a national program of government. In Zimbabwe, we are told that once you engage in this action, you risk not being vaccinated. What <laughs> a very, <laughs> quite a very serious threat that S. Union were not taking it uh, uh, very, very lightly.
1: Our economics update up next with Nosithle Zuma.
18: Thank you, Lolo. Good morning. Labor law expert Buganim Goma says the South African Broadcasting Corporation's employees who feel they've been unfairly retrenched have the option of approaching the CCMA or the courts for relief. This says unions claim the SAPC's handling of the Section 189 retrenchment process is flawed. The public broadcaster has indicated that it wants to cut just over 300 permanent jobs as part of its restructuring plans. But the unions claim that almost double that number will find themselves without jobs. Goma says that the matter can be taken to the CCMA or Labour Court if internal processes don't yield results.
17: terminated on the basis that they have not been accommodated either through being moved
10: around or applying for new positions that may have been created through the implementation of the strategic plan or turnaround strategy. Then it basically means that there is only one option they have is that they can then go to the CCMA, either as individuals or as a collective. And basically claim unfair dismissal, because
17: at the end of the day, the matter will have to go to the CCMA and then labor court.
18: The State Capture Commission of Inquiry of South Africa is expected to continue with former Eskom Group CEO Brian Molefe's evidence this morning. The commission is also expected to hear evidence from former Eskom Chief Financial Officer Anit Singh. On Tuesday, Molefe said Glencoe was so angry about his refusal of its proposed increase to Glencoe's coal supply contract that it stopped supplying Eskom's Hendrina power station with coal. Malefa denied the allegation that he put financial pressure on Glencore to sell Optimum to the Guptas in 2015. Maleficent says Ramaphosa should have allowed for a cooling-off period following the sale of his optimum shares and his chairmanship of the Eskom War Room while he was deputy president in 2015.
8: He went to become deputy president and then chairman of the War Room, which I described in my statement as de facto chairman of Eskom because of the way that the War Room was operating Yeah, That was also peculiar. Without, without saying that the War Room discussed whole contract. I'm not aware that they did, but it would appear from even the evidence that was given here, uh, the level of detail that the war room was prepared to go into while he was chairman was strange because it was things that were supposed to be dealt with by the board.
18: British-American uh, Tobacco says it is disappointed that South Africa's Cooperative Governance Minister Ngosazana Zuma has been granted leave to appeal a high court ruling in Cape Town that the ban on tobacco sales was unconstitutional. The court ruled in Baza's favour in December. General Manager Joni Moloto says they hope for a favourable uh, Supreme Court of Appeals outcome.
14: Despite
11: our confidence in the success of our case, we think the government will be wiser allocating its resources to combating the illicit trade in cigarettes. This was fortified by the ban and is now running rampant across South Africa. By confronting the criminal tobacco manufacturers who now dominate the market, they would at the least return many needed billions to the fiscars at this crucial time.
18: Zimbabwe's processed food sector has recorded 17.9% export growth. This was revealed by the country's export development agency, Zimtrade. Zimtrade has been calling on local players to take advantage of the opportunities available to them. The trade agency says as production is enhanced, local businesses have a huge potential to competitively supply processed foods to regional markets such as Zambia, Botswana, Democratic Republic of Congo and Malawi. <clears> Thank <throat> And finally, Qantas Airways is launching mystery flights in an effort to boost domestic tourism across Australia and spark nostalgia. The day trips where passengers don't know the destination when boarding were popular in the 1990s. Airlines across the region are coming up with different strategies to tackle the pandemic-induced travel slump, with Thai Airways announcing this week it will slash its workforce by 50%. The downturn has led to government bailouts, collapses and huge job cuts. For your financial indicators, one US dollar is trading at three hundred and eighty one Nigerian Nara, ten ninety five Busanabula, one hundred and nine eighty Kenyan shilling and twenty one eighty Zambian Guacha. In big currencies, the US dollar is trading at five sixty seven Brazilian rule, seventy three sixty eight Russian ruble, seventy three forty five Indian rupee, seventy three twenty Chinese yuan and at fourteen ninety four South African rand. The US dollar is also trading at seventy one pence to so the British pound and at eighty two cents to the euro. Looking at commodities, gold is trading at one thousand seven hundred one hundred and thirty three dollars in platinum at one thousand one hundred and ninety five dollars per ounce, while brand crude oil is at sixty three dollars five cents a barrel. For Channel Africa, I'm Zuma.
1: A sports update up next with Figelengwati.
0: In our sports update, let's kick off with rugby news. It is increasingly likely that the Springboks scheduled 2021 home series Against the British and the Irish Lions will take place in the UK in July 2021. The British and the Irish Lions is a name synonymous with tours. The Lions were established as a touring team and throughout their 133-year existence have always traveled to hostile rugby countries in search of glory. But in 2021, the Lions are set to do something they have never done and, to be frank, never wanted to do. They will be the home team in a series against one of the Giants, of the Southern Hemisphere and therefore of the sport of rugby. There is now a definitive timeline for fans to be allowed back into stadiums in England, which strengthens the case for the Lions hosting the box. Three Ethiopians secured wild entries for next year's World Athletics Indoor Championships to be held in Belgrade in Serbia. Our correspondent Geshe Nyati reports. The Ethiopians
4: booked automatic qualification for the 2022 World Athletics Indoor Championships. This followed their dominance in the season's World Indoor Tour Series, which recently ended at the Villa de Madrid Gold Meeting in Spain. Selemoni Barega, the world under-18 and under-20 3000 meters champion, lifted the most points in the men's 1500 meters to get his ticket to Belgrade. Female athletes, Habitamo Alemu, topped the standings in the 800 meters. 19 19-year-old Lemlemu Hailu was unstoppable in the 3000 meter event. Eight other leading athletes drawn from the USA and European countries are part of the Ethiopian trio who got wildcard entries for next year's global championships. Meanwhile, it is worth mentioning that athletes worldwide are finding it difficult to travel and compete in international events due to the restrictive coronavirus pandemic.
0: Nigeria Professional Football League club Rivers United have announced the suspension of two of its players, goalkeeper Theophilus a fellow Kai, and defender Ifeni Anaimana. Our correspondent Tony Barney reports
4: Despite starting the season on a strong note, the club has hit a rough patch in recent time, having lost out of the CAF Confederation Cup to rival Enyimba International of Aba. The team again lost 3-0 to Akwa United in the match day 13 of the Professional Football League, and according to the club general manager, OK Paluku, the two players were suspended two unethical ethical on professional conduct is vetted by both of them. It means both players will be absent when Rivers United travel to Joss for a date with Plateau United.
0: South Africa's first netball event this year will be the Spa Challenge, scheduled to take place between the 24th to the 31st of March. Netball South Africa has confirmed that the players who will represent the under-21 Spa Baby Proteas at the Spa Challenge, under the leadership of head coach Dr. Elsie Jordan and assistant coach Precious Mteimbu. The team will be further supported by Lena Grighe, technical coach, Edna Dolamo, team manager, and Robin Phillips, physiotherapist. The purpose of this squad is to test players' combination on court in preparation for the Netball World Youth Cup taking place in Fiji in December. International Netball Federation President Liz Nicole says the tournament in Fiji was initially slated for June, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, it has been rescheduled for December. That's the sport news. This hour. Africa rise and shine Africa tzosa Africa amuka na unai
1: that wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumut Ramagaza, technical producer Swiso Mashiko, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info.channelafrica.co.za or tweet us at RiseShineAfrica. Taking us to the top of our for the news is Jamaican reggae legend Banuela with who died on Tuesday at the age of 73 with a track titled "Rise and Shine. Goodbye and keep safe.